And welcome once again to the Launchpad podcast. My name is J-Man, and we have a very special edition. I've never done this before, but I have four people on one podcast, the wonders of modern technology, and we're going to have a candid COVID conversation. Uh, the gentleman in the orange sweater, he's a retired police officer. His name is Claude Pepin. I've known him for, quite, <laughs> for quite a long time, and we agree on nothing other than the fact that he'd appear on this podcast. Uh, then we have Scott. Scott is a paramedic. He's been a paramedic for uh, 10 years. He's the superintendent. And then we have Jen Hayward, small business owner, a former comedian. Is that right? Is there like a female thing for a comedian? Just comedian, and I'll, I wouldn't say former, but thank you. <laughs> still? Oh, you're still doing comedy as a, as a gig? Not, not really. Just don't say it. Just give it? <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> okay, gotcha. Nonetheless, so she is the owner, CEO, sole proprietor of Gulfrit Deliveries, and I'm so happy to have you here. And I was trying to think of some questions that a lot of people would have on their minds and basically looking for the subjects of debate. And I'm going to start with you, Chris, because you obviously kind of have the inside take, the inside look at what's happening in hospitals. Uh, so being a paramedic, obviously, you're dealing with a lot of people that need assistance. And the big thing right now is everyone's talking about the hospitals. Ottawa did such a good job. No people in the ICU. It seems like hospitals are not overcrowded like we seem to hear in a lot of places uh, in Canada. Uh, the United States is a completely different ordeal, apparently. So what do you see from the inside out? Do we have an overcrowding problem? They keep on talking about an overcrowding problem. Are we prepared for something like that? Well, we, we certainly have an overcrowding problem, but it's not due to COVID. Um, the, I was watching CBC just before they announced the lockdown and the CEO, the CEO of, of the Ottawa hospital said that they were in excellent shape with no patients in the, in the ICU. Um, and I believe it was Jim Watson who tweeted them out and congratulated them for not having any patients um, uh, admitted to their ICU. It may be a bit of a different uh, situation in Toronto where they do have a significant amount of uh, people with COVID, but even then they only have, I believe it's somewhere around 120 pe people in ICU and they have a lot more ICU beds. I mean, they have multiple hospitals. I believe they have somewhere around two to 3,000 uh, ICU beds um, and this magic number right uh, is 300 patients admitted to ICU uh, and that triggers a lockdown or is at least one of the steps to trigger uh, a lockdown and I don't know where this 300 uh, number came from because that's a very low amount of admissions to ICU um, considering the overall capacity that we have here in Ontario. Okay so overall do you think that the government's doing a good job with the mandates, the regulations, that type of stuff? I think they're, they're doing the, the best that they can. Um, I think that their misstep with this lockdown was changing the date. Uh, I think that takes away some of the legitimacy behind it. Um, up until now, you know, I have been on board with what's, what's occurring. I think the lockdown uh, in the spring was necessary. Uh, or sorry, in the in the new year was necessary. Um, I'm glad we opened up sort of in the summer and in the fall, but now it just doesn't seem like it's uh, like the numbers are there. Right, uh, Claude. I'm curious as to what you feel about it because uh, I know that you follow politics really closely. Uh, we 
agree on some things we don't, but I don't think I've really asked you about this question in particular. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think this latest lockdown for, for Ontario is a bit too uh, widespread. It, it shouldn't be province-wide. I come from Northern Ontario, a small town of campus casing. They've had probably five cases, if that, since uh, the spring, since the start of the pandemic. And now they're locked down for 14 days. That's mm -hmm. crazy. And, he, and here in Ottawa, but I did hear today there's one case in, of COVID in ICU as of today in Ottawa. So there you go. There's just one. And again, to, to close off all of Ottawa for 28 days, I find it's crazy. I understand they're trying to say, okay, well, after Christmas, you know, well, during the holidays, people are going to get together and the cases are going to spike like crazy in the new year. Well, this lockdown didn't really change anything. It's, it's closing down all the businesses. It's hurting the businesses. We've talked about that in the past, like, 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 uh, like crazy. And now t for the, uh, the Ontario government to create regions and to determine uh, which colors these regions are going to be, and then to forget about all this and say, okay, we're going to a province-wide lockdown is a bit is a bit different from what they've been doing in the past. I find. Right. I think they're saying we got to do something and let's let's do this to yeah. appease basically everyone. See, I, I get that, and I understand you know what you're saying, Scott, in regards to like this is the first pandemic we've had to go through. Uh, with modern medicine, et cetera. So fine. You know, we we give some lenience to the government in regards to what they do. And then, you know, in regards to Claude, uh, unpacking that whole statement, yeah, it's hurting small business. And I, I think the narrative that's changing right now is the fact uh, with all these different zones, et cetera, is that there's a big time blame game uh, that's going on right now. And I really was not a fan of Ford's last conversation regards to, hey, Ottawa, great job, but it's the Quebecers fault or, you know, it's Trudeau's fault, uh, opposed to like, this is supposed to be a time of unity. Why are we not bringing people together here? So I was really disappointed in that. Now, in regards to small business, Jen is a small business. Now, she happens to be in a small business that came around <laughs> at a really good time. She's into deliveries, right? So uh, people are obviously looking for their, their things to be delivered. I mean, I understand that this is something uh, that definitely benefits uh, your industry in particular, but what are some of the ramifications that you've seen with small business uh, for yourself? And of course, uh, you have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs that are in small business and the effects that you've seen on them. Well, certainly. I mean, first of all, we don't benefit hugely. Bezos and other people do. Um, the industry itself uh, is kind of a dumpster fire because everyone wants for you now, but that's for another podcast. Right. Uh, but realistically, um, we have had to do three times as amount of work with half the staff. Serb certainly cut into our staff and rightfully so. They said, why would I want to drive? when I don't have to? Why would I expose myself when I don't have to to any risk? That was during the first lockdown. Um, but we have 300 local customers, 400 now, and about half of them are active right now. Uh, we, at the beginning of COVID, we sat on the phone with small business owners who were crying to us because they had to shut their doors for the first time in 25 years. We saw people decimated. We saw people who couldn't pay their bills. That was a trickle-down effect as well. Also, I'm very bad at accounting. Uh, but all of these things have certainly... So, like, I always get a little defense when people say benefit because I haven't had a day off since COVID right. started. And, I, and, I, and I'm autoimmune. 
So we're there on the front lines and we're doing everything that we can. And this whole, the second lockdown was so frustrating for us because it felt like we're, and, and I know you don't like the blame game. I kind of like it. I, I want to blame the people who decided to all gather during Christmas and why we had overcapacity in all of our hotels uh, from people in Toronto. That's why we're closed down right now is because some people made a choice and that's fine. That's their choice to make, but we're being punished because everyone was fearful of what would come out of Toronto and that those numbers would spread. So I feel that I feel for all of our local businesses and I don't feel we can blame Toronto, but I think there are individuals who did not have to be here who made poor choices. We have people who come in from the UK making poor choices and here we go. Please. Sure. Okay. So that would be government doing a poor job. Now I could argue that's speculation. It's not to say that it's untrue, but it's speculation to the fact that I don't believe that people have changed their behaviors all that much in between the first lockdown and to where we are right now. That's just me. And that is also speculation. And yet the numbers were still pristine. And then you're going to tell me that we did all that work for absolutely nothing when you were just going to shut us down regardless. Exactly. So, yes. I mean, I, I personally don't blame anybody. If I'm going to put my blame on anyone, I'm going to put my blame on the people that we put in power, which would be the government. And that's just kind of, that's just how I decide to do it. Because if we don't come together, if we don't come together out of this unified, where are we going to be? But you we know? weren't unified to begin with. Well, we were, we were far less divisive, divisive, that's for sure. I, I disagree. And I'll, I'll just, I will go down a little tangent, but as I said, this is the first time that many middle-class people have ever been affected. This is the first time many middle-class white people have ever had negative effects in their life. Let's be realistic. Indigenous communities have been going through this kind of crap our entire lives. This is not new to many people. The divisiveness came up when people who are finally feeling oppression for the first time didn't know what to do with it. That's where a lot of the divisiveness comes from, where people are being more vocal about their hatred and their anger because they don't know what to do. So people are raging against the machine who have never raged against the machine. So we're all, in a way, more unified that we all don't like the government now, which is a good thing for the same reasons, but... I'll let these gentlemen talk, but that's my more feminist kind can, of view. Can you stop wrong. being smart? I don't like this whole. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to I tried to bring on people that were going to agree with everything I said. Shit. Uh, okay, so uh, Scott, when I was talking with you previously, uh, but before we started the podcast, mental health was something uh, that popped up. And regardless to whether we agree on this or we disagree on that, the one thing that I believe everyone can agree on is that this has ramifications on people in regards to their mental health. I think no matter what it is that's going on in people's lives that it's having some type of an effect on their overall wellness uh psychological uh physical as well you know people are sitting at home they're eating too much they're drinking too much yeah. uh they're they're not able to exercise uh you know what are your views on that are you seeing are, are you are you seeing the ramifications of that right now are, are, do you find that the people that you're dealing with just generally are more hostile or how, how are they receptive to you as a, as a paramedic? Uh, yeah, I, so there's certainly a, an increase in just mental health calls overall. A lot of people are just stressed out. They're highly anxious They're because a lot of times they're indoors, right? They don't have those stress relievers that they normally would have. Um, and this was an issue before COVID. We were in a, a uh, major mental health uh, crisis before COVID. Um, and now this is going to compound that and also introduce some more uh, people into that. Healthcare workers, you know, there's going to be a large burnout of healthcare workers at the end of this. 
um, but also with kids. Uh, we're taking away their social development. What's going to happen to this next generation that's growing up now that doesn't have that social interaction that they desperately need to develop? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was at a Starbucks when this whole thing started. And I remember just having a conversation with this lady uh, waiting for the coffee to come out because they were handing everything outside the store, like with a tray, the first lockdown and wiping off my card and all that kind of stuff. And her, her kids were playing and I said, oh, well, you know, it looks like your kids are, are doing all right. And this couldn't be any more than, you know, maybe two months in. And she says, you know, like they, they look happy, but there's something off. And that was a while ago. Know what I mean? Like we're ramping up on almost half a year to a year since that, that whole thing happened. So uh, even though sometimes these kids, they, they are resilient and, and they are able to uh, adapt to a lot of different situations, scenarios, uh, there definitely seems to be uh, like something of their spirit that's being taken away. And, and I just think it must be so damaging to them. I, I'm watching kids on the street walking with masks, masks on their face, not even when they're required. Uh, you know, so the psychological impacts, most definitely, I can see that going down. And, and Claude, you'd be a really great example of that, actually, to segue in nicely. So I was not allowed to go to the bathroom in Claude's house <laughs> during the summer because, uh, well, here, you go ahead, Claude. Uh, tell the story and, and the, the protocols that you took uh, in regards to your household. Yeah, it's true because during the summer, we had our son living with us with his pregnant girlfriend and she was due in July. So there you go. So we had basically a COVID baby there, uh, born in July, living in our house. So our son was following the protocols to the, to the letter. And that's why it was really serious. And you coming over was basically a, a, a surprise that you were allowed to come over. We hung out outside by the deck and all that. And yes, you had to go piss in the bush. And uh, basically that's what it was because um, the, her son and his girlfriend were saying, and, and she's a nurse too, so there you go. She was uh, following all the protocols. She didn't want to get sick. She didn't want to get her baby sick. And when the baby was born, again, uh, a baby doesn't have an immune system until it's about three months old. So there you go. There was another quarantine after the baby was born. So we weren't basically allowed to, to go out and... Uh, uh, Galvan around. We had to stay home and just do go get the the groceries and stuff. So yeah, it was a pretty serious time. But our our grandson is uh, is uh, healthy and uh, he's doing great. So that's that's a, a one positive thing about. Right. <laughs> so Jen, thank you. Geez, I don't you want to go back. You can't go to the washroom in my. You can't go to the washroom <laughs> in my house either. And that's whether COVID's <laughs> gone or not. <laughs> so. I don't. I don't want to go back to you. It's dangerous. Uh, but. <laughs> You know, so, so mental health, obviously, you know, you're someone that's in it. And I think one thing uh, that, that people sometimes maybe bypass when it comes to people that obviously would like to keep their business open and they're, they're this question of like, you know, what's more important, right? Being able to, you know, go out there and earn an income or to be safe and potentially save lives, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's an argument on both sides. I mean, yeah, you want to be healthy, but I mean, if you can't provide for your children <laughs> and put food on the table, what good is it, right? Especially for something that we're talking about that has a, a very small fatality rate. That's what really kind of gets everyone all, you know, kind of <laughs> into the most, I think, heated of debates is why are we doing all this for something uh, that has such a small death rate? 
Uh, and now you're in a position to where, and I, well, I'm not sure if it's you specifically, but a lot of small business owners uh, have like their homes tied into, you know, this lockdown. And if they're not out there and they're not ma making money, if they're not fulfilling uh, their financial obligations, not only do they lose their business, they lose their home. I could only imagine the stress, uh, you know, for a small business owner uh, that's in that position. Maybe you can speak on that. Well, it, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, entrepreneurship is a choice. We have to start with that. Um, and it's the arbitrariness of the, the lockdowns that has affected the mental health because some people are allowed to go work and put their lives at the risk at Walmart, but you can't go to a sanitary um, shoe cobbler down the road. And, and that's where people are seeing the inequities across the board is that, you know, other people are allowed to not only survive, but thrive. Big box stores for sure are thriving. They're getting more and more money. They've done nothing about you know, wages, raising, anything like that. Um, it's, if you've been in a Walmart, I'm sorry, I'll be blunt, they're not clean. Every so small business owner I know went above and beyond for protocols. And so that mental health and that fear of losing your home, home is huge. Um, and now a lot of people were confused about CERB and, and, and there's all of this and it goes back for, from March onward. And there's some people who will never get their business back. Like, let's be realistic. People who maybe um, sold inflatable bouncy rental, castle rentals. I don't know if that's an industry that's ever going to bounce back. Right. right. And I don't know what people are going to do. I've seen people pivot amazingly. But again, right. we're delivering not just like necessities. We're delivering bougie items. People have not changed their habits. They've not changed their spending habits. We are, this Christmas was insanity in terms of how much we were delivering from local business. So people definitely stepped up, but it's this arbitrary decision of who can stay open and who can't. I know of two sex toy stores. One was allowed to stay open because they had a higher amount of latex and one was not, and it's insanity. And so when you have to, you know, change the rules as you, I told everyone just start selling milk. If everyone just sold milk and made more milk than they made, say, doing comedy shows, which might happen because we haven't been allowed to do much comedy. Well, then it's the milk show. And then um, I will tell some jokes while we're there. It's, it's insane. And so of course, everyone's scared out there. It's right. ridiculous, but yeah. Right. Maybe I'll be selling dildos in a week or two. <laughs> dildos and milk at the same time. Yeah, why not, not right? Not put that visual out there. Uh, okay, so overall to kind of like, let's say, well, I don't want to say moving away from government as a whole, uh, but, but I personally give them uh, a failing grade. I think they've had a, a long time or long enough time to try to kind of figure these things out. The lockdowns, obviously, I mean... I don't believe they work. Scott, I'm going to let you have a, a, a quick talk on that uh, in, in regards to, I mean, it seems like we're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and we keep on getting the same result. Uh, you know, we're coming across like the evictions now that are going to start happening. Like there's no, there's no planning for that. Like all the rollouts in regards to help, uh, you know, from the government have been slow or they've been poor, you know, with like incentives of being able to not have to pay back some of that money, knowing full and well that they're going to be owning a lot of these businesses by the time uh, we roll out of this. And it just seems like, man, there's a lot of smart people out there that aren't necessarily in government that can come up with some common sense solutions. Why does it seem like government is in such disarray uh, and they're always kind of trying to figure out things when it happens, opposed to maybe just a little bit of forethought. Um, so, you know what, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to get any deeper. 
Well, do you have something to say on it, Scott? Because feel free, just jump in. No, well, there, there, there's a lot in that. Um, I would agree with you. I would say that they deserve an F as well, um, especially you know knowing what we know now, where they haven't fixed the long-term care issue. Um, they they have increased beds slightly, but they haven't changed that magic number of 300. Um, you know, we 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 haven't really sorted out the vaccine issue. Um, you know, we have people getting the vaccine that work in long-term care homes that aren't really frontline staff. They're administrative clerical staff that don't directly deal with patients. We don't even know who is categorized as a frontline worker. I'll just give you an example as paramedics. Uh, we've been treated as sort of in the second tier for PPE. I'm guessing we're probably gonna be in the second tier for PPE for uh, vaccines as well. Uh, but no, no paramedic in Ontario has received one for being a paramedic. So um, I think that's a safe assumption to make so far. Right, so just Jen quickly and then Claude, just give me a grade. Where do you think the government's at and where do you think their biggest failure is? So we can just move on to the next topic. For sure, I mean, their biggest failure, I mean, I'm gonna give them a D because I'm nice, but uh, and only because they're inept at everything. Um, and I've worked for government before I was an entrepreneur and I've seen, I've seen pandemic plans in the jail system that were ready to be rolled out. I don't know what happened to all these plans, right. uh, but again, you said the same thing over and over again and nothing's changing. I mean, I go back, I'm sorry, to the indigenous community. We've had the exact same thing with the government trying to fix our community since 1901 and it hasn't gotten any better. Right. So yeah, okay. there has to be someone better. <laughs> so Claude, be. what's your grade? Well, a combination of the federal government, provincial government, municipal government, all together, I'll give them a C minus. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I I wish, the data. If I had a kid, I, I wish they were in your class like this. Oh, there you go. You're a good teacher. And that's fair. I mean, uh, you know what? I'm personally not a, a fan of Ford. I was early on. Now I just don't buy anything that he says. And as far as Trudeau is concerned, like, I'll even say it. I voted liberal. And that was almost a, a throwaway vote for me because I just didn't want Harper in there anymore. I just kind of wanted a changing of the guards. And well, I fucked up, but who knew? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> well, it happens. Well, Claude knew. We're not friends anymore. Yeah, there we go. I know. I just lost a whole bunch of friends right there. Okay. <laughs> I so voted NDP if you cared. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk masks. I wear my masks. I mean, I'll, I'll do it gladly. I, I do believe that it infringes on someone's freedoms of choice and their liberties, et cetera. And I also believe that this is what most people are willing to do to keep people safe, right? I think that's a, I think that's a really big statement. Uh, I don't believe that people should be walking around without masks just to start confrontation or except there's there's places to make a stand and there's places not to make a stand i don't like the name calling that's going on whether it be a covidiot or whether it be a sheep again i believe strongly in unity now there's someone here that obviously knows a lot about masks uh scott where do you stand on this and I'm just going to say this before you even get started. We live in a world where, you know, it seems like 50% of medical professionals are saying they work. 50% are saying they don't. Uh, I'd like your take on it. I wear a mask, uh, but I think it depends on how you, how you define the transmissibility of COVID-19. They say it's through droplet, but they also say it can be aerosolized. So if it is aerosolized, then your mask really isn't 
uh, protecting you as well as if it is a drop in droplets. Um, you know, it, Health Canada changed the way that COVID-19 is, is transmitted very quietly in the fall. Uh, they changed it to aerosolization and through, um, through aerosolization procedures. So if that's the case, then all, all healthcare professionals specifically should be wearing N95s anytime they come into contact with, with a patient. And that would explain part in part why we're having trouble controlling uh, COVID uh, is because it's very, if it is through aerosolization, then it lingers in the air. So if you're in the same room as somebody and they're breathing out uh, that viral particle, then it's lingering in the air and people are picking it up as they walk through it. If it is uh, through droplet, then your mask significantly uh, uh, reduces the likelihood of getting it. It's just a question of what is it actually, and that seems to not really be answered. Now, what about through my eyeballs? Could I not get yeah, so, Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So any mucous membrane. So mo your largest mucous membrane would be your mouth. But uh, as, as a healthcare professional, we all wear eye, some type of eyewear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know, I would argue, you know, there, there was a time where people used to walk around with handkerchiefs. And I think the reason why people don't anymore is not because it's fashionable. It's because they're fucking gross. That's why you snot in your rag and then you put it back in your pocket. Now, I'm just going to take a wild stab here, but I don't think people are washing their masks every day. In fact, I see people take their masks, throw them on a table, stick them in their pocket. But I just come from this world that, listen, everyone is going to get COVID at one point or another. And it seems like, okay, sure, we want to slow down the rate or whatever. If, if this was going to be the super virus that killed the planet like we're just done we're filthy we're dirty we're disgusting we're carrying around these handkerchiefs everywhere we go and like i've even seen people put on other people's masks like you know oh i forgot my mask and then and then we have you know dr tam and we're talking about banging each other through glory holes and not facing each other during <laughs> sex and Good advice, anyway. <laughs> depends who you're, depends who you're having sex with, I guess. Like, I've been married twenty years. So. <laughs> you know, like there's an there's an element of it that just seems to be just when I hear medical prof professionals come out with advice like this. Like if I was watching a parody on Saturday Night Live, it just kind of it it takes away something from what they're saying to me. It, it makes me ask questions. It makes me scratch my head. Like Claude, I know that you were someone that was, you know, kind of like 100% on board with, with everything that was being rolled out before. Do you find that over time that you've lost a little bit of confidence in regards to the medical profession uh, professionals or, uh, you know, maybe what you're hearing on the news? Does some of it seem kind of ridiculous like all the memes that are out on on social media does it make you scratch your head i wouldn't say i was a hundred percent on in everything because remember when this all this started dr tam and the professionals were saying no we don't need masks don't worry about right. like uh, the mask won't help and then all of a sudden a few days later oh mask everybody should be wearing a mask right it's, yes do, things do change yes it is the first real worldwide pandemic that 
that our generation is, is going through, yes, and not the doctors don't have a, answers for everything. So, but yes, it is kind of disheartening to, to listen to one professional, either on TV or online, and being contradicted by another professional. You know, you see, we're wondering, because often we talk and then somebody, or online, somebody puts a link, look what this guy said, and then somebody throws in another link. Well, look what this guy said. And yes, it is confusing, and everybody is getting tired. You know, we're, we're almost, we're, we're getting to the year, almost a year of this, of this crap, and everybody's getting tired, and it is frustrating, and it is hard to continue with, with what we're doing right now. Right. Yeah. And you know what, what I want to say just quickly in regards to, you know, the mask debate, and there's just even more division, right? Like there's anti-max maskers and whatever it, it might be, right? <clears throat> Is that we have two sides of the coin. I'm just going to split it 50-50 uh, just to make this easy. But there's 50% of people that are more on the cautious side. They're going to wear their masks. They're going to call people COVIDians that don't. You know, and, and, and generally just say, like, I can't believe these dummies are, are causing all this shit, right? And they truly believe that they're doing something of a, of a greater purpose. They are restricting their movement. They're wearing their masks everywhere they go. They're staying home. They're isolating, right? And, and doing everything they can to stop the transmission of this virus. Now, even though that is definitely not me to the T, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do my part. But I think, wow, isn't it great that there are these individuals that believe so passionately in wanting to save another person's health or potentially their life that they're willing to give all that stuff up. And then there's the other side where there are people out there that don't want to wear their masks. They feel strongly that their rights are, are being taken away from them slowly. They're out there doing the rallies. They're hearing the whole covid thing. But man, isn't it great that there's somebody that's, based on what the other side is saying, is putting their life on the line to fight for your civil rights, your freedoms, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's, it's this double edge. I mean, we can come out of COVID, but if we don't have our rights, that, that's not so great, right? What's the point of coming out of COVID and not having rights? And you don't have to agree with this. I'm not saying that this is the way it is. I'm not saying that there's a dictatorship coming. I'm not saying that this is socialism. I'm just saying that both sides have a, a role that they're playing and both believe passionately that they're doing something to help the other side. It's the fact that we just don't have this middle ground to where people want to have a conversation to where they're going to ask questions opposed to making accusations, right? So asking that person, like, why aren't you wearing a mask? And maybe just listening to what they're saying and asking a couple of questions, trying to have a little bit more of an understanding. And I believe the other side could do the exact same. The problem is that we're just not finding that healthy place in the middle to where we can just have this conversation. And that's why I'm glad that you guys are here right now. Now, Jen, because I saw you shake your head in disgust, <laughs> I'll let you yeah. throw something out to that. Like, speak well, on it's it. Not, it's not disgust. I mean, the, the, the difference between the people on the extreme who won't wear a mask, there's a difference between can't and won't. And those who say, no, I'm doing this for civil uh, civil disobedience, and I, I kind of call horse patootie. I, I do. I, I, it's, that's a harsh word, I know. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it's... I, it's 
four years ago, I was doing comedy up in Nunavut, and they were having the seat belt debate, the seat belt debate. And it was the exact same debate that's going on here. So we have accepted seat belts as science, right? So right now, until we have definitive science, put your freaking mask on unless you have any sort of medical exemption so that the rest of us can be as safe as we can. I, I just don't believe that they're fighting for my right. My right is as a person with, with a autoimmune who wants to get out of this shit. That is my what I want. So I don't even know if it's right. I like this Scott guy. He says words that I don't know about, and that's good. <laughs> and I want to listen to people like him. And right. he should be getting the right kind of mask for his job. I'll wear the crap that I wear. And I laughed because I used my daughter's mask the other day, but we're pretty bubbled, right? Okay, so, Jen. I mean, well, how yeah. about this then? I mean, you know, we're doing these lockdowns and going to this extreme. I consider mm -hmm. that to be an extreme. Someone Absolutely. not wearing their mask, sure. Is it, is it flagrant disregard for other people's health and all that kind of stuff? Sure. But they're also making, like, it's a protest for them. Sure, okay? Now, if we're so worried about the old people and the immune, okay, and quarantine is supposed to be for people that are sick or have a high risk of being sick, why not quarantine? Like, if you want to stay home, stay home. Like, know what I mean? Like, no one's objecting uh, no, to that. People, well, people oh, no, I, I didn't even know. get to finish. I didn't okay, get to finish. Because you know if, where I'm going if, with this. If that yeah. people <laughs> want to stay home, they can stay home, and we should protect the elderly, right? And then let everyone else just kind of, like, get to business. Why does everyone have to pay the price for like number one like where we really see the damage like old people that have you know that are they're that living in old age homes and by all means if there's an old person that doesn't live in an old age home you know that fought in a world war for our freedom like why the fuck can't they go outside for a walk or why can't they you know that's they can take their life into their own hands so why not just let's streamline this to where the people that are most likely to be affected they can quarantine and take these extra measures and kind of let everyone else move on with their life well one there's not going to be the adequate health care in the marginalized communities that there is in other ones two people like me are at high risk so you're telling me that we all have to anyone who is born with anything that might make them more perceptible to die uh should stay home and let the rest of you have your life how about everyone do what they're supposed to do to at least give us a chance at succeeding this thing as long as you said people haven't changed their habits right. so if people are that selfish that they're not willing and i'm sorry going and protesting for my civil rights we've been doing that and we'll go back to that for years for many <laughs> other different reasons but but now, now masks is it. Masks is where we're going to get all the rich white guys Jen, out there, all the people Jen, out there who are going to fight. How are we ever going to get 100% compliance? That's just unrealistic. I like don't there's know. Always, there's always going to be people that don't. You and I joked about it, but my, the, the, the rates in Kenya with that many more people where they went down, I'm not saying it's right, but I'll tell you, if you're late past curfew, you get caned over there. I have a friend who had it happened to, and it's not pleasant, but I'll tell you, they've managed their rates. Now, I don't want to go to that level, and that's, I see what you're saying with the slippery slope. I've made the argument with choice many times myself. I just say, in this case, I find that, and I respect you very much, but a very selfish opinion. Why don't you let the rest of us go? And everyone else who could go die, sorry about it. I, I, I find that to be, um, until we have the research into people to tell us the things that we need to know, 
we all have to figure it out together. But to say that the survival of the fittest gets to win, I take offense on so many levels yeah. because if you look at the determinants of health, it is going to be the same people who have won on the patriarchy in life that are going to succeed. And the rest of the communities and the marginalized women and the communities that are remote that because people force them to go there, those are the people who will suffer. Again, I'm going back to just hearing Scott not have the right kind of mask for him. Like that is where we are as a society. We should be fighting for that. You go and protest that and I will join you. But protesting for someone's right to not wear a piece of cloth is the most- But that's not it. I think think that's where it's being missed. It's not about just wearing a piece of cloth. Uh, You know, there's a symbolism I believe that goes into that, but I'm not even looking to get into that debate. I believe that, you know what, just do your part. Everyone should do their part. Everyone I, do your part. I, 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 think, I, I don't, think, I don't think just thing. because everyone wears a mask that this is going to go away, though. I, I, I think also that's, agree with that. I, I yes. think that's way off. Okay. But, so, but we might be a little further off if they try. Now, you know, we were talking about listening to the professionals, and I think this yeah. is a good place to end on, and <laughs> which would be <laughs> vaccines, you know, vaccinations. And here's my stance on vaccinations and then Claude I'll go to you and you can tell me if you agree or disagree I was watching the mainstream news which I rarely do anymore because I think it's total horseshit <laughs> I don't like it <laughs> you know I, I, it's it, it's just a breeding ground for fear and I think that media has done us a grand like injustice by not going out there preaching general wellness teaching us better nutrition, maybe giving us some TV or radio programming in regards to superfoods that we can eat, exercises that we can be doing, everything in our power to help us boost our immune system and our, you know, our, our mental state to, to, keep us, to keep us grounded, to keep us united. I've seen nothing but division when it comes to uh, media today. And social media is worse, and we have each other to blame for that. And I'm watching this one doctor and there was questions that were coming in from the viewership and they asked you know well what are the long-term effects from this vaccine and the doctor answered honestly but i'm surprised you know they even allowed that question to be asked or they didn't try to sway away from it but they said we don't have any long-term you know uh we don't have any long-term stats to, to show where this vaccine is going to be in three years, five years, 10 years, the long-term effects. So I'm just going to say this to be devil's advocate, and then you can weigh in, Claude. I'm, I'm a selfish, <laughs> that, part's, that part's factual, <laughs> according to Jim. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a selfish, healthy, 43-year-old male that has a very, very small chance of potentially dying from COVID. Maybe I've already had COVID. And regardless, my immune system is like 99.8 or 0.9% gonna be able to battle it off. Why in, why in heaven's name would I go put a foreign substance into my body that has not even been, like they don't even know if it's gonna prevent other people from being able to get COVID or me being able to get COVID again that I don't know will, you know, let's just say from something small, like, you know, potentially, you know, maybe losing more hair, going sterile, potentially causing a cancer, or just, Lord knows, like, just the the myriad, a gauntlet of things that could potentially pop up years down the road that we're just not even aware of, okay? Why Why would I do that? 
for, for a vaccine that apparently is 95% effective. Now that's just me and where I'm coming from. Claude, you come from, you know, you're, you're much older than me. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you feel about that in regards to putting a, a vaccine into your body? Give it to me. Give it to me now. I'll right. take it. Right. You know, like I'm 55 years old, I'm healthy. But again, it's to protect others also. You got to remember that. Because again, you may be asymptomatic. You may get it. You don't know. Give it to other, others, other people. We want to stop this, this uh, virus from, sp from spreading even more. and want to get back to a semi-normal life. That's what we're saying. And, you know, I talked to a buddy of mine, says his niece is one of the, basically, let's call her a guinea pig. She actually works for, the, uh, for Pfizer, and she has been uh, vaccinated since July. No right. effects on her at all. So no short-term effects. Well, no short-term. Yeah, exactly. No, no, but she, but she's sterile 10 years down the road. Well, there you go. See, is but that I mean, a chance we're taking? We, well, that, right, exactly. So I think that's very fair, though. It, it's right. Everyone takes a, a calculated yeah, risk. Of course, we are taking a chance. Yes. Right. Okay. It's, uh, it's Scott, like everything else. Yeah. What, what do you think about the vaccination? Uh, I've been very conflicted as to what I will do when it's offered to me. Right. Um, I actually could get it right now because my father is in long-term care, and so I am a designated caregiver, so I would, would be able to get it. Um, but... Um, I would. I. I also had a COVID baby. My. We had a baby in uh, June. Um, so I think if I do get it, I will get it because I do not want to give it to her or my wife. Um, but there are a lot of unanswered questions, and that makes me nervous. Um, I. We. Uh, we don't know the long-term effects. We don't know how often you have to be boosted, or if this is a. If this is a two shots and you're done, or if you're boosted every year like the the flu shot. Um, so that makes me nervous, but uh, if it's offered to me, I will likely get it um, for my family. Yeah. How about you, Jen? Obviously, well, sign me up. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a whole bunch. I want. I, ah. <laughs> I, I have this faith in my doctor, and and I listened right. to my doctor, who has saved me. She's helped me lose two hundred and ten pounds. She's been amazing. And if she's always, you know, I said, listen, sign my kids up for stuff that doesn't even exist yet. And had she done that, they would have had the vaccine for uh, COVID. But no, I mean, jokes that I have, I don't have medical training. You can show me all the YouTube videos you want. I know where my doctor went to school. I know where she's trained. I know what she researches and I trust her. And so if my doctor says get the vaccine, which she does, I will do, my family will do, and we will make it mandatory in this house for anyone visiting will have to have had the vaccine. Because right. I don't want to put ourselves at risk. Okay, and so. for the person that doesn't want to, Jen, what do you say? Pardon? And for the person that doesn't want to, what do you say? Well, again, I don't know enough about science, but I, I also get um, the you're, you're doing it to protect other people as well. So I guess going back to your statement, then maybe they just have to stay home and the rest of us can get on with our lives. Mm -hmm. I don't like your sass. Can I, how do I, how do I eliminate someone from this? How do I, and I don't actually believe that, but I, I just turned your words against you. Sorry, dude. Yeah, so. I could mute you. I'm like, oh, we're having problems, technical uh, difficulties here. You know, and I, and I think that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree with a nod, but it really just comes down to personal choice, whether or not someone is comfortable with putting a vaccine into their body or not. Can we get a general consensus on that? 
Okay, great. Yeah. So then I, I, I think where a lot of the pushback from something like this right now would be what a lot of us are kind of hearing is rumor. Uh, some businesses have tried to implement it, but making a vaccine mandatory if people want to be able to jump on a plane. And a lot of people might think, okay, that's reasonable. Okay, fine. We don't want people traveling, you know, without having a vaccine, et cetera. You know, then it turns into, well, you know what? Maybe you can't go to concerts if you don't have a vaccine. Then maybe you can't go to the movies if you don't have a vaccine. It's a very slippery slope. And then people say, and I disagree with this statement, is that people still have a choice. Is it really a choice if people are left to ultimatum that they don't want to put something into their body? Maybe my doctor tells me that, you know what? I'd give this vaccine a little bit of time before you put it into your body. Now, I don't think there's going to be many medical professionals that come out and say that. I don't know. I, I'm not kind of putting that out there, but I'm just saying, let's play devil's advocate here. And they're saying that this is not something I think you should put in your body. I think you should wait a little bit longer uh, before you do. Uh, you know, where do you fall? Where do you fall on that, Scott, in regards to being a medical professional, people having the ability to make that choice for themselves? And is it really true choice if it's left to ultimatum to where people are not able to participate with everybody else in regards to the societal norms? So this is actually, this is a conversation um, in my workplace, I'm certain amongst every healthcare workplaces, uh, we're not mandated to get the flu shot, um, but we're mandated to be vaccinated as everybody else is. So what category does this fall under? Does this fall under an, uh, uh, an optional vaccine like the flu shot, or is this going to be mandatory like measles, mumps, rubella, and all those other ones? Um, this does this is sort of where i would draw the line is i do think that when you mandate something and when you restrict people um taking in everything taking in the taking in how many people um have very little to no symptoms how many people die like i don't think that this is where you make that stand okay and what do you think there Claude? yeah we have talked about that before and it is a slippery slope it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to have one one position on on this for myself. We had talked about well, if you want to go to a certain country, you must prove that you had certain vaccinations, right? It's it's but it's your choice to go to that country. Again, is it it's your choice if you want to go to this concert, but you're not going to get this vac vaccination just to go to this specific concert. You're going to get vaccinated again to help this to help society as a whole to help get rid of this of, of this virus so if you do get vaccinated then the perks yes the perks will be well you may be allowed to attend this concert attend this hockey game attend this and that but again are we forced are we going to be forced to do it again that's that i don't think we should be so i'm right. still i'm still on the fence about this one Right. And what about yourself, Joe Jim? I mean, I was, no, I, I was joking before. I don't have an answer for this one. I know right. I'm pretty smart, but it, it comes, to, and when I was joking and turned it around, but the, we do have the choice here. Whereas people who are born with, with genetic, you know, immune deficiencies don't. And so in this regard, um, 
I, I don't know. I just keep going to the joke that goes around about right. the mon if you're going to put a monster energy drink in you, but you won't put a vaccine. Like, you know, not everyone is putting stuff in their bodies that know. And I get how scary it is for people, you know, right. and, but I, I have no answer for you, Jason, for one. But you know what? I think that's one of the most powerful answers is I don't know. Yeah. Is that when it comes down to this COVID conversation, everyone speaks in definites. And none of us really know. We all have our opinions. Some of us have opinions that are closer to the source, let's say like Scott. And then, you know, there's people like me. I'm a dipshit. I just have opinions. You know, I, I can't speak for, for anyone other than myself. I can, you know, maybe do my best to try to understand where people are coming from. I believe that I've had a lot of conversations with people on both sides of the fence. And, you know, like I'm a 9-11 guy, right? So I'll just say it right now. I'm a 9-11 guy and, you know, 50% of Americans don't believe the 9-11 narrative. And because that's something that I've shared positive that I get labeled as being a conspiracy theorist, which is okay, you know, <laughs> I'll generally say that I'm, I'm a critical thinker. And oftentimes when I'll post something on my social media, I'll know that somebody's referencing maybe something that I had posted previously because I'd like to think that even though I kind of make my stance heard as to where I fall on the spectrum of what COVID-19 is all about, I try to be very fair and down the middle and understand that everyone right now, and it was uh, a little bit of an analogy that was going on uh, a couple of months ago that we're not necessarily all in the same boat, uh, but we're most definitely in the same storm. And, you know, based on how many storms that we've had to sail through in our life, we do it a little bit differently. Some people are really good at navigating these COVID waters and some people, they really aren't. But I think the best thing that we can do in regards to one another, and which is why one of the hashtags I use is together, is that, you know, there's a lot that I can learn, you know, from Scott as a sailor. Jen, I can learn a lot from you. Claude, I can also learn something from you. And if we all share our knowledge and we can do so in a practical matter without arguing and just letting the, the ship sink, uh, we could all learn how to be better sailors and navigate ourselves through these storms. So I think I'm going to end on that. Scott's, you know, thank you so much for being here, Jen, Claude. Uh, any, any closing statements that you'd like to make there, Scott? <laughs> uh, just thank you for having me on. And the one thing I really like is if we can have different, different opinions in this, in, in this podcast, but we all show each other mutual respect. And the one thing I liked about what Jen said is uh, she would listen to her healthcare, uh, her doctor. Um, and I think everybody should do that. Um, you know, don't go off what you read, talk to the people who know the, who know something about it, get it, get different opinions, make your decision off of speaking to people who know what they're talking about. Okay, Jen. Uh, well, very similar. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of touched right now with the irony is that these are the ways to have dialogues but we can't have them in person anymore. So all we have is social media and that's where the society is broken down because there's no listening. Because anything you say, someone's just gonna say you're an idiot, call you a sheep or a COVID idiot, it goes on both sides. And then the conversation is shut down. I think that's one thing I respect about you because I don't think I agree all the time at all with you on a lot of things, but I respect that you do think um, you say, and, and you dialogue and you bring people together. So that I wanna leave on that on a positive note. Like, yes, you were born in a, patriarchal society and you're doing quite well um, I joke but I honestly I'm thank you I'm glad I got to meet Claude uh, the first time I've had a good conversation with a police officer burn sorry and uh, Scott you know many <laughs> blessings to you and your family for everything going on right and Claude what about you Claude statement. yeah we have the light at the end of the tunnel coming up I'm gonna wish everybody a happier 2021
That's beautiful. Yes. Happy New Year to all of you. And thank you for your participation. And uh, maybe I'll have a couple of you guys back on again. I think it was a really constructive conversation that I believe people can learn from and maybe come together from. So thank you for being uh, those three people to make that happen. You take care. Be well. Love simply because you can. Thank you.